Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Aaron Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, did you watch former President Trump's announcement speech on Tuesday? Who? Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> what did you do instead? Definitely not. I had dinner with friends I had not seen since before COVID. Hmm. You, like Fox News, cut away from that speech. Cut away. Didn't even engage like most other news outlets. Including the New York Post, by the way. <laughs> Amazing. Well, they're fully Team DeSantis at this point. Now they are, but page 26, OMG. Oh, man. This week, we're joined by Michigan State Senator Mallory McMorrow, Kieran Deal, and Dana Schwartz to tackle the following questions. How long is too long to wait in line for Taylor Swift tickets? How can the rest of the country get in on Michigan's big Gretsch energy? Who would even read a conservative women's magazine aimed at women under 30? And what was Tiffany Trump's something blue? All this and more right now. Alyssa, I am really excited to talk about the news this week. You are? Yeah. You know why? Why? Because I was fucking sick of midterm stories. So sick of midterms. Let's get back to some other good fucked up shit. I think, you know, I, I'm i not totally sick of it because I do like, I'm never tired of a like, oh, Katie Hobbs won Arizona. I'm never tired of, of that kind of a headline. When I say I'm sick of the midterms, I was sick of the like, the dread associated with an impending midterm election and a narrative surrounding it that Democrats were going to lose big and whatever left me with a bad taste in my mouth. Agree. But you know, Aaron, what have we always said? We've always said you can't listen to the polls. We've always said we don't listen to the pundits and we don't. But even though you don't, you can't help but have it like infect your aura. 
in a way. Oh, yeah. It's a bum out by osmosis. Yes. Well, what's the one that's not through water? You know what I mean. It's like when you're around it, it just kind of absorbs. Osmosis is fine. It's understood. We just have really smart listeners, and I know somebody is going to email and be like, actually, it's not. It's osmosis, technically, if it's not through water. But yeah, that's the only thing I remember from high school science class, mostly. That and a macrophages and chlorophyll. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, speaking of education, how do you like that segue? Da brumpum. Uh, University of California academic workers are striking by the tens of thousands. Alyssa, I was shocked when I learned how big this strike was. 48,000 University of California academic workers um, are now on the picket line. It's historically large. It is a huge amount of people. Um, and they are pushing for better compensation and protections. And they stopped working on Tuesday. And it is obviously causing disruptions to campus research, teaching, and grading because a lot of colleges and universities run on the work of criminally underpaid and overworked people. I literally had to reread three times to make sure that I was understanding that the average pay for a graduate worker is $24,000 a year. Yes. In California. In California. And they say that it's for a 20-hour work week, but every grad student is like, that is absolute bullshit. We do not work 20 hours a week. We work 40 or more hours a week. I couldn't believe it. That's such bullshit gaslighting by universities to say it's only 20 hours a week. It's like, you know that it's not 20 hours. Like, my first thought is like, have you ever talked to a grad student? And the answer is obviously they've talked to grad students. Right. They run universities. They're college administrators. Um, but like, it is so patently obvious that despite the fact that it says 20 hours a week in a job description, the amount of work that they do is huge. It's like, and $24,000 a year is criminal, absolutely criminal. That is what I made in 1999 to be a uh, paralegal. Yeah. Uh, for postdoc employees, the union has called for a minimum salary of $70,000, which would be a $10,000 increase from the average postdoc salary at this point. So the proposed salary increases are they want a base salary for graduate student workers to be $54,000, which is still on the low side for a high cost of living state. Totally. And yet double, more than double what they're making now. Yeah. But what they're making now, to be fair, is is like criminal. Yeah. Horrifying. It's mind bending. Um, and they also want uh, support for better child care and uh, health care and family leave options. Academia is one of those worlds that it seems like there are so many barriers to entry if you don't have independent wealth. Um, it's almost impossible to survive uh, without making major sacrifices to your life. Like, you know, I think that there are people who are maybe in academia who chose academia and then when they were in it were like, look, in order for me to continue on this career path, I'm. It, it's just not feasible for me to have a family. Right. And, like, these unfair circumstances contribute to, like, life trajectories of people. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's it's crazy. Um, so the strike has no end date. Yeah, I know. Saw that. Yeah. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens. I, I truly hope that the academic employees of the University of California prevail here because it's a across-the-country 
problem, exploitation of labor within academia. And totally. if California is able to make it so that there's some a little bit more dignity in the compensation, um, then maybe other states will be forced to follow suit in order to be competitive to get students. Yes, as they should. Indeed. Uh, okay, Alyssa, what happened with Ticketmaster yesterday? Everyone I saw was talking about Ticketmaster. Well, Aaron... The Swifties, now they have many partners in their outrage, but the Swifties, uh, they got pissed yesterday because uh, tickets to Taylor Swift's new Eras Tour. Oh, no. Uh, Era Tour? Eras Tour. Whatever. We all know what I'm talking about. Eras. Yeah. Well, the Ticketmaster website crashed, Aaron, and people were left waiting in the queue, you know, in the line for upwards of five hours for some people. Now, the reason that this is, well, I mean, one, it's absurd, but two, Ticketmaster many years ago, around 2010, Ticketmaster and Live Nation merged, which means that Ticketmaster and Live Nation represent, they they sell all the tickets and they also represent the venues and the artists, thereby making it a monopoly. Hmm. Um, lots of people, everyone from AOC, the Congressman Bill Pascrell of New Jersey, have called for this monopoly to be broken up. Ticketmaster defends itself by saying, it's not that it's a monopoly, it's that it's dynamic pricing. So I Googled to make sure I knew what dynamic pricing was. And it's pricing based on demand. But when you control all the supply, of course there's going to be demand. This coming from a woman who got a B in economics. I'm just saying that's why I always double check my math because I'm never quite sure. Yeah. Is it is it arbitrage or is it just fucking robbing people? Exactly. And so Ticketmaster, as we all know, charges all kinds of fees on any ticket purchase. They have been known to charge up to 78% the cost of a ticket in fees. What? And in theory, these fees are what are known as convenience fees. Well, if you're waiting five hours for your fucking ticket online, how is anything convenient? Oh, my God. So it was high drama. And uh, as someone who has also been caught online trying to buy her ticket fees through Ticketmaster, only to be charged almost $120 of fee per ticket, I uh, I was in solidarity with the Swifties yesterday. Okay. So you were charged an extra $100 in fees, which means you were buying pricey tickets to something. Let me guess what band it was for. Go ahead, Aaron. Stab in the dark. <laughs> Celine Dion? So actually, her tickets were pretty expensive, too. That was the last concert <laughs> I saw before COVID. No, I, I know it's the dead. I knew it was either Celine Dion or the, the dead, but I wanted to like roast you a little bit for your eclectic tastes. I am, I am nothing if not eclectic in my music. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if Celine Dion covered a bunch of dead songs. <gasps> I mean, she, she can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, hopefully this will lead to, I mean, look, there are a few fandoms that I would not mess around with in any way, shape, or form. The Swifties and the Beehive. <laughs> the Swifties and the Beehive. And, like, the K-pop stands. Oh, correct. K-pop stands are do not mess with, that's in the do not mess with category. Um I think that if anybody can get this done, it would be either Swift. Is, has Beyonce announced a tour to support her? No, but she did just get nominated uh, for Grammys. And she and Jay-Z are now tied for most Grammy nominations, beating out Quincy Jones, Kanye, and Paul McCartney. 
I'm full of music facts today. Let's push Kanye off that list because I know, I know, I know. Woof. <laughs> um, the soundtrack to so many of my parties and runs from the years 2004 to 2016. Uh, tainted. Yikes. <laughs> tainted. Uh, but yeah, I think if anybody can can change the world when it comes to Ticketmaster, it would be the scary trifecta of fandom. Swifties, the Beehive, and K-pop stands. So <laughs> I'm rooting for you guys. <laughs> Please unfuck Ticketmaster. That would be amazing. Um, anything else? Uh, toast, roast? I got a quick toast. Okay. Erin, I want to toast Christina Applegate. She received her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame earlier this week, and it's her first public appearance since being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And the reason that I think, one, I think she's awesome. I love Dead to Me. I think that she is terrific. But also, I'm so glad that she's being public about her MS diagnosis, like Selma Blair was years ago, because it's this affects so many women, and also... Both she and Selma Blair have said that if anyone had taken their symptoms seriously early, their prognosis might have been slightly better. And so anyway, I just good for her and proud of her and all of her support. Linda Cardellini and and all of the gang was out supporting her. And I just thought it was wonderful. Ugh, this is going to sound corny, but I love it when they're friends in real life. I know. Or are like good at at least pretending to be friends in real life. It just And like- wait, who was her mother on Married with Children? Katie. I would not know the answer to that question. Anyway, she was there too, and she was supporting her and said she still feels like her mom in real life. You know what? I have read that, this is a side note, but I've read that the set of Married with Children was actually like a very wholesome and supportive place for people. Really? I was not allowed to watch that show growing up. I wasn't either. I wasn't either, but it's really funny to think about like iconic multicam sitcoms of that era and you have like on one hand the Cosby show and then on the other hand you have like you know the Cosby show family whatever uh elf and then you have like married with children which is like the raunchy show and then it then actually years later it comes out that that was the show where people were treated really well and it was a very healthy set totally and then the shows that projected health and morality were actually not the healthiest and most moral of places but Whatever. And also, it was Katie Seagal who played Peggy Bundy. I can't believe I forgot that, but Katie Seagal. I'm glad they're still friends. That's great. Well, let's take a quick break. Um, When we come back, we have an interview with one of our faves. Fave. One of our faves. And it's a happy interview. So stick around. And welcome back, Alyssa. I love victory laps. I love taking a victory lap. I think we've earned one. I think we we don't want to rest on our laurels. Ever. Never. But a victory lap is like warranted mm-hmm. after certain performances, especially in our guest's state. Today's guest is a state senator representing District 13 in Michigan. If you're outside of Michigan, you might have gotten to know her when a floor speech of hers went viral earlier this year, back in April, which actually seems like it was 10,000 years ago. A lifetime. 87 years ago, for sure. <laughs> so long ago. Um, during that speech, she called for an end to fringe political lunacy. Hmm, interesting. Senator Mallory McMurrow, welcome back to Hysteria. Thrilled to be back. Thanks for having me. Um, well, we're delighted to take this victory lap with you. Democrats across the country feeling good about last week's election. In most states, not not Alyssa's state of New York. No, no. 
a sad trombone here in New York. But in most states, feeling pretty good. Mallory, tell our listeners what happened in Michigan and why it's such a BFD. What happened in Michigan? Okay, so for context, I serve in the state Senate. And the last time that Democrats controlled the state Senate in Michigan was 1984. Whoa. Which is before I was born. (laughs) So in Michigan... On election night, we re-elected Governor Gretchen Whitmer, re-elected Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, re-elected Attorney General Dana Nessel, and flipped the state Senate and the state House. So we have a Democratic trifecta in the Mitten State. It is a BFD. Oh, my goodness. Well, can we call it Big Gretch Energy? Is that fair? Oh, yeah. Yes. Big Gretch Energy. Leather jackets everywhere. Oh, my God. Okay, so, Senator, when we had you here on Hysteria last, it was after a speech of yours went viral earlier in the year, when you called out a Republican colleague for being hateful, prompting thousands of people nationwide to donate to your campaign. Part of the money went towards making the Michigan Senate turn blue, which you did, as we just talked about. What does this chain of events say about what Americans wanted out of the midterms? And do you think if folks had paid attention to why Uh, you went viral earlier in the year that the outcome of the midterms wouldn't have been so shocking? Yeah. So how to break it down. So uh, the speech that I gave back in April, really the thesis of the message was hate won't win. And you can't build a campaign entirely on attacking two trans kids who want to play soccer and expect that you're going to be successful. Uh, And the Republican Party, you can't say I didn't try to tell them, but they did not listen to that message. So in the wake of that speech, uh, I found out that the email that my colleague sent out fundraising to attack me, she raised $235. Apparently that's what it's worth these days to call your colleague a child molester. Uh, I launched a pack and I have been working my tail off since April to help all of my state Senate colleagues. And I raised $2.35 million to help flip the Senate blue. And it went directly to our candidates all over the state. Uh, and I think not only in Michigan, but if you look at the races where where Democrats did well all around the country, it just felt like a slap in the face rejection of this politics based on lying. Every major election denier lost. Uh, and in Michigan, you know, the Republican Party really doubled down from the governor nominee on down on culture war attacks. And they failed and failed miserably. Mm-hmm. So another massive win for Michigan was enshrining abortion rights into its constitution. What can activists in other states learn from this successful campaign? And after achieving this, what will your advocacy for reproductive rights look like moving forward? So this was huge. So for anybody outside of Michigan, Prop 3 uh, amended our state constitution to enshrine abortion access and reproductive rights, so maternal health care, uh, sterilization, if that is something that uh, a woman and her family so choose later on, and a lot of other things. And something that I think we learned in Michigan and that a lot of other folks can learn from is we leaned into this issue early and head on, well before the Dobbs decision. Governor Whitmer filed a lawsuit against the state that actually led to a judge barring our 1931 abortion ban from going into effect. So abortion remained legal in Michigan even after the Dobbs decision. And she really made it a hallmark of her campaign early, that she was fighting for abortion rights, even when pundits around the country said, you know, Democrats are talking too much about abortion rights. Gretchen Whitmer did not. 
In the legislature, my colleagues and I have introduced legislation since 2019 to repeal our abortion ban and effectively codify Roe into law well before we lost Roe. And then Prop 3 uh, started circulating, collecting signature petitions, again, well before Dobbs. So I went to a rally uh, in Detroit on the day that Dobbs fell. And I was able to tell people there who were angry and frustrated like we all were that this is a state where you can actually do something about it, that we've got a governor who's fighting for you, we've got legislators who are on the ballot, and we've got this uh, petition drive that you can collect signatures for. And it was such a hopeful message and strategy versus people around the country who were pissed off that suddenly we lost Roe and national Democrats were texting you asking for five bucks. So this was a very tangible, like, we've been fighting for you. We've been fighting for you since day one. We're not waiting for something terrible to happen. Here's what's standing in the way. And here's why we need your help and what you can do. And it rallied so many people behind not only the effort to get the initiative on the ballot, but also for all of our candidates who are really aligned on this message. It sounds shocking, but treat voters with a level of respect and actually show we're fighting for you. We're not just waiting for polling data, um, but here are the hurdles and here's what you can do about it. And if you do that, we are going to fight back for you. So what it changes for us now is, you know, abortion is enshrined in our state constitution, but we still have this 1931 abortion ban on our books. So for those of us who are in the Democratic majority now, uh, I know that it's going to be a priority for us to repeal that law, get it off the books once and for all so it is not haunting us from the past. In addition to that, what do you want to do in Michigan with the Democratic majority that you now have? This is an agenda 40 years in the making. So I think the short answer is everything, (laughs) but we have to be really strategic about it. Uh, When we met with the governor, a Democratic trifecta has only happened in Michigan four times in the past hundred years. Mm. So we are getting together now. Uh, We elected Joe Tate, the first black speaker of the House in state history. Uh, Senator Winnie Brinks, the first Senate majority leader who's a woman in state history. Very exciting. So over the coming weeks, we're putting together an agenda that repeals the abortion ban, amends our Civil Rights Act to protect the LGBTQ community, invest more in education, you know, basically kicking the voucher scheme from Betsy DeVos out for good in a state like Michigan. And then it's about environmental protections, water protections, gun violence prevention and sensible gun reform increasing union participation and protecting worker rights. I mean, there are so many things we're going to be able to do all of them, but we have to be strategic about it and make sure we're also putting Republicans in a position to have to take bad votes on things that are really popular because we do have majorities in both chambers, but they are slim majorities. And if we learned anything from history, you know, Michigan is a swing state and we've got to make sure that this is the last time Republicans are going to see leadership for the next 40 years. It's crazy that Michigan went from a Trump pro-Trump spoiler in 2016 to what we're talking about today. Like it is and I think looking at Michigan, I think other states can maybe be a little less discouraged. Mm-hmm. Like I think that there are other places in the country that that are probably dealing with a kind of post-election day 2016 Michigan vibes right now where they are. And, and like the work that you guys have done, that you all have done in Michigan is is such a testament to how much things can turn around. So, so exciting. Um, I've been saying Michigan is great. I have, but uh, <laughs> long time. It is great. 
<laughs> it is great. I think Michigan's the future, to be frank. Um, so, Mallory, we like to close on a, a lighter note. You are a Notre Dame alum. What are your good luck charms in your political life? My good luck charms in my political life. Uh, my husband, number one, shout out to political spouses, because this is a wild uh, career choice that I've made, especially this year in the wake of trying to turn weird notoriety of being called a groomer into something really impactful. Um, so that's a good luck charm. And I think my weird neurotic dog, if that's a good luck charm, she's just such a freaking goofball, but I put her <laughs> on like campaign materials and the number of people who ask me in public, like, how's your dog doing? Is she like, she, people follow on Instagram and they're like, is her ACL okay? How's she doing from surgery? So <laughs> never underestimate the power of dog content. <laughs> that's so funny. How long have you had your dog? She'll be 11 this year. So we got her when she was two. Oh my gosh, she's a ride or die kind of a dog. She is. She's getting real gray from when, you know, the, the photos resurfaced when she was a spring chicken. <laughs> she's not anymore. She's <laughs> Oh, <laughs> we're all getting gray. <laughs> Me too. I'm like growing a veil of gray hair. So your dog's in good company. Uh, Mallory McMorrow, thank you so much for stopping by. We would love to have you back again sometime the next time Michigan does something amazing that we're all jealous of in the rest of the country. It's going to happen a lot more often. Get ready for it. We're in charge now. <laughs> <laughs> we're ready. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix zero-sugar hydration drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe mushroom coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I, mean, I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, <laughs> not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. 
And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have. To, I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on a, it's like a couch nap. You know, you have like a, oh yeah. you've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just like lay down for 20 minutes. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put a a blazer and like— Denim shirt. Denim Denim shirt, blazer, leggings. So easy. 100%. And, of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee, while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. It's perfect. He is. Like, I think my my dad is one of those people that just, like, beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're— They look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, Um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now. And I think I I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a a short weekend trip. And they still looked great. It was like, Dad— your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best.
And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast where we will give you 50 tips to drive him wild. <laughs> and by drive him wild, we mean make him get up and leave the conversation. And then we will high five each other because we wanted the conversation to be over anyway. Please, men, leave us alone. Uh, that it needs a little finessing. As a cover line, I think it needs a little finessing. Alyssa, did you ever read like women's magazines? Do you read women's magazines? Of course I used to. Can't really say I do anymore. Are there any? <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, Vogue exists. I don't. I mean, look at me. Do I look like someone who needs advice on high fashion? Isn't high fashion kind of dead? She said in her J. Crew tissue tea. <laughs> That's a great question. And I would love to uh, let's explore what the answers to that may be with our panel today. First, our first panelist will be making her debut at London's Soho Theater from January 24th to the 28th. What? Karen Deal, what the hell? That's amazing. Hi. Thank you so much, Erin Ryan. Thank you so much. <laughs> Great to see you. Are you excited? I am excited. It's going to be so fun. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Thanks. I want to go to London and see you, but I can't. Come, come. I mean, come bring the baby. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm like, oof, wow. I would need to like support years of therapy for other people on that plane if I brought a baby on an airplane ride that long. <laughs> <laughs> Up next, her book, Immortality, a Love Story, is available for pre order. Please pre order it. Authors need pre-orders and love pre-orders. And if you want it anyway, just pre-order it. Why not? Uh, maybe it's a good gift for somebody on your holiday list. It's Dana Schwartz. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, so happy to see you today. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about this with this group of people. Dana, do you read women's magazines? And and like, if you don't, when did you stop? I, I don't anymore. I definitely did and I think I definitely had like the full fantasy of like thinking that I wanted to work for a magazine. Like that's exactly my dream life. Like all throughout high school, like I was like, oh, these people have the secret code that I don't have. Like they got the memo. I think I probably stopped when I started like when I like went to college. Right. And I'm like on Twitter and the Internet. And it's like you get information online faster and more reliably than you do in magazines. And then I moved to New York and worked in magazines. And I was like, oh, wait, is everyone just, we're just winging it? Like I'm writing things in print and this is what it is. <laughs> like it felt like it was disillusioning that there wasn't like another stopgap in between what was happening. Right. Yeah. The magazine world is super weird and we can get more into it in a bit. But Kieran, did you ever read women's magazines? I looked at them when I was in the grocery store aisle. What was your reaction? Did you feel like... Largely the covers. Okay. Like an anthropologist being like, ooh, what's going on there? <laughs> no, it's like a kid because it's like they're all like in the grocery store, right? They're all like, as you walk in, you're like, oh, that's what cool looks like. Mm -hmm. Nice. <laughs> you know? You know, you're right, Kieran. There used to be, I have not seen one in ages, but there used to be an aisle where there were all of the magazines where you would go and pick up Jane and Marie Claire and Cosmo. And it was like a real destination. You're, I didn't, I mean, I go to the fucking grocery store every week and I didn't realize that they had disappeared. Even where the aisles are, like when you're paying for stuff. Oh yeah. Oh, you mean the checkout? I'm talking about the checkout. Yeah. You can't, you, cause I would always be like, I remember the first time I saw like, I don't know, like Mindy Kaling or something on one of them. It was so like, oh wow. Like I'd never seen like a, like I can remember seeing like a brown face on one. Do you know what I mean? Cause it's like, it was always this like, kind of like, oh yeah, like this is what pretty is, you know? Yeah. It was Kate Bosworth over and over and over again. And can you name a 
Kate Bosworth movie besides Blue Crush? Mm-hmm. I cannot. No, I cannot. No, but she's been on so many women's magazine covers. Um, I got my start writing working for a website called Jezebel, um, which is it's still around. It's a great website. Um, but when I started working there and when when the website launched in like 2007 – the tagline was celebrity sex and fashion for women without airbrushing. And it was supposed to be a direct response to the fucked upness of women's magazines that Kieran is, is kind of touching on a little bit is that they were like way whiter than, you know, the, the number of consumers out there. They were really like heteronormative, like they were kind of reductive. It was this kind of sex, 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 Cosmo, wrap a donut around his balls type. Weird, like bizarre. It's your job to get yourself perfect in order to like win the world sort of a a vibe. And at Jezebel, within, I was a reader of the website before I worked there, but by the 2008, by the time the election season was like heating up and it was like Hillary versus Barack, the website had gone from being a direct response to women's magazines to something that was, like, political. Mm-hmm. And it sort of made me think, like, it almost feels like all women's magazines, even if you start out trying to be like, you know what, we're just going to be, like, here's some pretty fashions, here's some lifestyle articles, blah, 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 blah. There is no way to avoid eventually becoming political. Even being apolitical is itself a political statement when it comes to the lives of women in the U.S. Um, and a lot of them have broken toward left-wing or leftist politics. I think the, the biggest example of that is like Teen Vogue, yeah. which is like, it's such a weird juxtaposition of like the, the Vogue brand. And Teen Vogue for which like Kim Kelly is one of the most prolific writers. <laughs> oh yeah. Kim Kelly, extremely like in the thick of it, labor writer. Yeah. Like pro-union, pro-organizing labor writer is like in Teen Vogue all the time. So my point is that like all women's magazines, even the ones that, that pretend they're not, are political. Even like Vogue, by refusing to put Melania on the cover, is making political statements. You know, like totally. And and so, you know, and this is me giving a, a generous read to the existence of what I'm going to to get into next. There is a, a women's magazine now that is for conservative women, and it's called The Conservateur. <laughs> um, the Conservateur is a... Uh, Alyssa, you kind of like got into it recently. Oh, I got into it. Can you go over some of the stuff that you learned from The Conservateur? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It is subscription-based. I tried to look at it. Okay, Kieran. Well, you didn't try hard <laughs> enough because there were some articles. Send me a login and a password. How dare you? There were articles that were for free, Kieran. Did you have to give an email address? Because I don't like to do that. I didn't give an email address. I just clicked on the big links and I got in. And here are some pull quotes from this incredible adventure in conservative women's magazine non-feminism. Oh my God, I can't wait. Young people. So the whole crux of the article is politics is downstream from culture. 
Okay, this is what the whole article's about, and how and how the MAGA movement and conservatives abandoned culture, and therefore they lost young people. So here is what the opinion writer has to say. Young people, unmarried, childless, subsidized by their parents, without major responsibilities, don't feel the economic urgency of towering inflation and plummeting 401ks. This delayed adulthood has left Gen Z with little stake in society. Hang on, wait. There's another. There's another. Quote, they're not speaking at school board meetings. They're sounding the alarm on the so-called climate emergency and the fate of abortion. They didn't have a vendetta against politicians who closed their kids' schools for two years, causing crippling learning loss. They don't have kids. They worked from home, glued themselves to TikTok, and paid no mind to the societal collateral damage happening outside their windows. Okay, so not to not to sound like a bloodless capitalist, but I'm just going to go ahead and say that you're just they're describing people with disposable income. So as yeah. a magazine publisher, why are you like we're going after people who don't have disposable income? That seems like a Exactly. bad business idea. I'm just going to say that. The whole website is a journey. <laughs> also to say that like the so-called climate epidemic and like abortion, you're a women's magazine. Those things don't concern you at all. Both of those issues? No, of course not. They don't. People having children in their 30s and 40s instead of their 20s seems to be a big (laughs) concern to this outlet. There was also one article. I was able to read that one. But there was one article where it was like, why monogamy is like hot. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like it was like why, like it was like the opposite of like 10 sex tips or or 10 dating tips or 10 blowjobs to make him razzle dazzle or here's the way you suck a banana (laughs) I don't fucking know or like here's how you put condoms on your fingers I'm not really sure but like there was I just remember thinking that was fascinating they're like monogamy is hot it's fucking hot and I was like I want to read this article I want to read this article Alyssa did you read that article I did skim that article it was also some crossover with their dating app the right stuff. Oh, right. There was a lot of like monogamy's fucking cool as hell in that one too. The right stuff is the dating app that cannot get enough women to join. <laughs> Correct? That sounds about right. Oh, damn. Is that true? Because it's like there also wasn't, I like I looked through and I was like just looking for any like, you know, all of the people. It was very like, it was all very blonde pearl yeah. earring, you know. It was all very, you know, like... I don't know how to say this more politely, but Heil adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> very like Nazi oh, youth man. chic, you know, was was very like, you know, I feel like, you know, the old man would be like, oh, chef's kiss. I love the, love the look of these people. I love what they're bringing to the table. I have to say, I do think sort of like a more complex feminism brought about the end of the golden age of women's magazine because the whole point of those women's magazines was really to indoctrinate women by like, oh, you are supposed to like, here's how to lose belly fat. Like you are supposed to be like thin and have clear skin and dress flattering to your body type. And I think that like as the feminism movement became more mainstream and people were like, oh, wait, we don't always necessarily need to dress in flattering clothes for our body type. Women's magazines were left being like, oh, well, well, what do we tell the children to do? <laughs> right. And and it's sort of, it always seemed to me 
well, not always. But once I got old enough to be like, wait a minute, because I read these, I read like Cosmo when I was like young and impressionable. And I was like, well, guess I got to put my finger in a butt. You know, <laughs> like I, I didn't like know anything that I learned. I learned a lot of things about sex from Cosmo that I had to unlearn. Yeah. Tell us that experience of putting that finger in that butt that one time, Erin. I have never done that because I was like, I don't, I feel like that's something you need to ask permission for. I don't want to surprise anybody with that. (laughs) And there never, it never really came up in conversation and it never was brought up by a partner. So I was always like, you know what? I'm just going to let this lie. You know, it's sort of like the feeling of being in class and you're like, is the teacher going to forget to ask for that thing that was due. And you're just kind of like hoping they don't. Anyway, um, but but I like read women's magazines when I was impressionable. And when I got a little older and had some distance and was able to look back on it, I kind of saw them as like the other side of like playboy feminism. Yeah. Where it's like women deserve the right to have abortions because men deserve unfettered access to women's mm. bodies without having to be responsible for like any emotional or like outcomes paternal responsibilities mm. you know and like i know that that's a conservative critique of feminism but i think that it actually is valid because there's like you know bros who i don't think support feminism if it means that a woman would be uh given accommodations at their job for being a mother. They do support feminism when it means that she can go get the morning after pill. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I think that the the women's magazines sort of supported that, like, stunted version of, like, sexual freedom feminism that didn't really have, it wasn't really fully thought through and then it wasn't really, like, fully realized in anybody's lives. Yeah, it, it just, it felt very one-dimensional that, like, freedom was... Being able to make your own money and spend it on yourself and then have as much sex as you want without having, you know, having as much sex as you want outside of the confines of a traditional monogamous marriage that's child producing. Um, And I think that there's, again, I'm sounding conservative right now. I'm just like trying to benefit of the doubt, make a counter argument to like what was prevailing in women's magazines back when like I was in my early 20s. Um, But at the same time, I think that we all know that that's like a the reason that young people are not having children in their 20s is not, like, out of selfishness. You know what I mean? Like, I feel as though maybe they're a little bit more emotionally mature than their parents were, and they realize maybe when you're in your 20s, in many cases, you're not at your greatest capacity to parent. Without question. Can you think, like, looking back, I mean – if I were to look back to my 20s, oh my God, no, 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 no. If I had had a child in my 20s, I would have been playing house. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like I would have been ready for it. I would have just been like, pretend, like playing at it. You know, it's not like, I was a wreck in my, tw- I was a wreck for a long time. <laughs> I'm playing house now. Yeah, <laughs> It's like, it's also so money related, you know, it's expensive. Right. I mean, it's very expensive to have children. It's very expensive to do that. What I think is interesting, Ryan, is that there's no, what, where were the articles on consent? Mm-hmm. You know, like where were the articles on consent in yes. those magazines? Where were the articles on like, yeah, like having a bunch of sex, but like, are you being an object of someone's sex or are you being a participant in that sex? Mm-hmm. Do you get to be like, it's all about the man's pleasure as opposed to, 
you know, how the female experiences pleasure and deserves it from those hookups or whatever the situation is. Mm -hmm. I don't remember, and maybe, you know, my memory is uh, failing me, but I don't remember like the Me Too movement came as a surprise. And and it's interesting that that's the case, given the prevalence of women's magazines. But even if they're not as popular anymore, it feels like the reason for that is because if you look on Instagram now, it's like the replacement for that is skinfluencers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like just like the, the beauty standards are like the Kardashians selling skims is like the easy one that we all know, whatever, you know, but that's a massive, massive, massive market. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who's a brand manager and he says, it's like, you need to get like, when you have a majority female audience and you're doing stuff in the beauty space, you can earn so much money. That's it's still such massive massive business. That same person also pretends that he constantly works for Teen Vogue. Um, And we'll just (laughs) say, so I was laughing when you brought up Teen Vogue. He's like, I'm a reporter for Teen Vogue. And I was like, you are not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kieran, you, you touched on something really interesting that people delayed children, not only for like, because they're more emotionally aware, but also for financial reasons. And it's really funny that there's a conservative magazine that's like, why aren't you getting married and having kids in your 20s? Anyway, we're not going to support subsidized childcare. We're not going to support universal health care, mandatory maternity leave. If all of those things existed, I think that there are a lot of people who would still be like, you know what? Don't want kids right now. I'm good. Thanks. But there's still there also would be a lot of people that were like, oh, this is an option for me now to consider. Yeah, it's an option that would maybe make the choice to have children when they were younger because they are supported more like nobody can afford to buy houses. You know, young people can't afford to buy houses. Unless they're skinfluencers. Oh, yeah, that's right. Skinfluencers can afford anything they want. When you say option, that also is, I think, a a major cultural shift that has happened over the last 50 years where young women are like, oh, well, there is another. It's more visible for women not to have children in their 20s or to have children later or not to have children at all. I think people kind of only know what to do, what they're exposed to and what they see. And if you grow up in a culture where every single person around you is getting married young and having a baby young, you just think that's what you have to do. Where now I think culture, thankfully, is showing people that's not the only option. Mm-hmm. And that's that reminds me of the monogamy uh, article, Alyssa, that you're talking about. Like, if your lifestyle, your, the, the royal you, if your lifestyle of yeah. young marriage, monogamous, child-producing, you know, whatever, is so great, then why is it so fragile? Why is it so threatened by the existence of other lifestyles as like an, as, as that people can see as an option? Like monogamy, like I'm monogamous. Alyssa, I think we are all monogamous people. Oh, God. I am monogamous to my core because for so many reasons. But like you and I both understand that like. I'm deeply promiscuous. (laughs) Kieran's a big slut. Don't put me in that box with you. Yeah, exactly. I was having an orgy upstairs before. It's why you're never on time for the recordings. And I needed the extra five minutes. (laughs) You got to light the light on the orgy. Guys, oh, the light's up. I got five minutes before I got to get up. I got five minutes and I do it. And it's like, and that light should be set for 920. But instead, it's set for 930. Uh, It's like you got to do your closer. (laughs) (laughs) 
I found the paragraph where the conservator speaks to everything we're saying. Let me give you their POV. I can't wait. Kids used to hold part-time jobs to learn financial independence and the value of work. People used to get married and have children in their early 20s. Today, they're bar hopping and racking up body counts instead of committing to one person. Today, young women work for soulless corporations that offer egg freezing and paid travel for abortion rather than generous maternity care to extend the shelf life of their labor. Gen Z is not cooking or acquiring family-oriented skills. They're ordering Postmates and calling Ubers. What the fuck are they talking about? It's bananas. Okay, this is, you know what percentage of people under 30 voted for Democrats in the last midterm election? 62%. 62%. That gap is wider when we divide it by sex. Women under 30 voted for Democrats so, like, there is... nobody would read this magazine. Um, And also, nobody who is behind this magazine has apparently talked to a woman (laughs) under 30. This reads like someone who has been in an echo chamber for a very long time, just spouting their Thanksgiving thoughts with no research. Just like vibes. (laughs) It feels like it's based on vibes, right? A lot of vibes. Uh, Yeah, it is 100% based on vibes. But like also... That's not, I remember, I remember this when it was about millennials. Millennials are not learning how to cook. Millennials are not learning how to do life skills. But it's like, yeah, well, here's the thing. We learned how to cook when we finally had enough free time, when we weren't like busting our asses at entry-level jobs. And we had the time to like go to the grocery store and buy the ingredients and then like try some shit out. Almost everybody I know in their 20s and 30s, spent time trial and error learning how to take care of themselves. Like, totally. Wait, I have I have one more sentence I need to read because it's so perfect. So from the women's magazine that is criticizing Democrats, Democrats, they write the following. Nihilism and narcissism pervade our culture, glorifying the worship of self-identity and self-affirmation. Donald Trump was their god and king. Like, are you kidding me? Like, it's like, like. What? Preacher, teach thyself. That's some pretty powerful projection. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Kieran, do you think there's anything wrong with with people choosing themselves? Like. There was one sentence after that, though. You're not reading the sentence after that, Alyssa. Oh, it's no wonder, it's no wonder democratic credos of convenience and identity consciousness are dangerously attractive to Gen Z. And there's one where it was like, because because conservatives are about giving back to your community and it's about a selfless style of living. Do you see that? Yeah. No. There is. Oh I read God. that somewhere. I think it's at the top. That was Hang a on. sentence that I was like, I, I love the idea of like, uh, what, what did you say? Like, uh, it's like not facts, but vibes but i thought that was so in, it's, it's vibes it's, it's vibes. like this it's so in it, it, to me i read it and i was like what an exercise in language do you know what i mean because it's like who yeah. sees themselves Where as is like it? selfless it's about community it's about you know obviously it's not going to be attractive to young people to be selfless and serve your community and be a part of something that's because that was the one that made me go oh are, are they not and i was like oh wow wow it's really something Conservatives are the ones saying, well, it's your 401k. That's more important than, you know, funding schools, you know, whatever, like selfish bullshit. They're peddling. I find it the thing with the Uber and Postmates thing to me is very (laughs) nefarious. 
because it's the whole thing about like women are working for these soulless corporations. They shouldn't work for these soulless corporations. They shouldn't be like ordering in food all the time. You know, their avocado toast, whatever. They should be cooking. And then the next thing is like, it's literally there. It's a women's magazine saying women need to be back in the kitchen for their husbands. Like you've gone around, my friend. We tried this. Just watch an episode of Mad Men. It didn't work. We tried it. It didn't work. We tried it. We didn't like it. We were happy. We we were taking pills and drinking <laughs> martinis. I mean, some people were just like drinking vodka out of a straight up empty orange juice carton and like being mildly buzzed all day. Like the the like, what was it like housewives helper? It was not a happy time. And right now, I guess we're, we are we are talking about like affluent middle class and up like white women in, in this case. But like, I think that's what they're hearkening back to in this magazine is the the experience of the affluent white woman in the 50s as something that can be reproduced now. And as a fantasy, as something that they actually want. Yeah. And the fantasy of it. The other piece of that is the balance, right? Because it's like, I know that for me, like I remember having such a rejection to the idea of being in the kitchen because it's like I saw my mom do so much cooking and she would do all the cooking. And I was like, oh, cooking is like oppressive. But then it's like, you get older and you're like, no, this is a way to nourish my own body. Like what? Like everyone needs to know how to cook. Like, I think there's also like a balance. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, you can something can be so reactionary to uh, what you've seen as oppressive that it actually takes a second to understand what your own um, opinions and thoughts are. Like I know a friend of my, a mutual friend of ours, she had, she got pregnant, she had a baby. And then she was like, Oh, I feel like I'm a failure or I feel like I'm, I'm uh, I feel like I've betrayed feminism, which I thought was such an interesting thing to say. Do you know what I mean? That like, that like I've betrayed my ideals by living a heteronormative life, you know? So I think it's, it's a little bit of like, we need to be able to see the 360 on it and like, and then sit from like a neutral place and then decide like what feels good to me, what feels right to me. It's kind of like, it's not like, fuck this, fuck cooking. It, It needs to be like, okay, what are my opinions on that? And, and do you know what I mean? Like a little bit of like happy detachment and distance so that you can make decisions that might on paper look more conservative or more liberal just depending on who you are and then find that in the individualism that works for you thank you thank you so much i'll be running for preach preach yeah Karen. i was like i will vote for you for whatever you say i i was having like very complicated feelings about possibly changing my name after i got married and i decided not to purely for paperwork reasons Oh, it's horrible. You don't want to do it. It's just it just felt like a nightmare. And I was like, forgive me. You know, I just I don't want to have a new social security card. But I was like a week before my wedding, I was getting lunch with a friend. And I was like, am I a bad feminist if I do change my name? And she was like, Dana, like women's abortion rights all over the country are being taken away. No one gives a fuck about your last name. Like, no offense, (laughs) but it doesn't matter. I was like, yes, you are right. This is a personal decision that doesn't matter. Yeah, personal decision, (laughs) personal decision. That's how I feel like what you were saying about the cooking. Yeah, yeah. But like the attempt to siphon off, to like draw lines that, that, uh, that pertain to entire groups of people rather than like what Kieran was saying, which is like the freedom to make choices that you're, that fit your individual, like lifestyle preferences, happiness, family, whatever. Um, I think sometimes as a, uh, progressive political progressive, 
um, who writes a lot, I have been a little hesitant to talk about some things that could be viewed as a little bit more conservative or like, uh, oh, so you want women back in the kitchen? Like, I love to cook. Me too. You know, and and so like one thing that we've talked about with Hysteria is like, oh, it'd be really fun for Alyssa and I to like cook together yes. on like a Instagram live or something like that. But there's this thing in the back of my mind that's like, oh, yeah, of course, like, oh, yeah, the the, the women's podcast is going to have cooking on it. But you know what, though? It's our choice. Mm-hmm. We like it. We want to do it. It's not because someone's telling us to do it or it's our job. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think that's how I see the difference. We also have the luxury of being able to make that choice because like, right. you know, we – we're privileged in that we can choose to order food or cook in. And like, there are a lot of people that are like, I am working two jobs. And the only thing I can do is pick something up on the way home from work. Or like I live in a place or I live in a food desert and I go to, I go grocery shopping once a week and I need to use all of the food I bought because it will totally like fuck my budget up. Right. You know, what would give women more time for cooking is childcare. Yeah. Childcare or like a normalized division of labor where men kick in a hundred or like 50% of the housework at least. You know, you know who also really loves cooking? Babies. I don't know if you've ever seen a baby of any kind <laughs> in a kitchen, but they're like pots, pans, give it to me, baby. Yeah. Love these spoons. Love these wood spoons. Yep. They will find the most dangerous object though and then try to throw it. Uh, it's really incredible. <laughs> There's, I, I'm kind of having a, a weird week because my husband just started working uh, full time out of like he took a full time job out of the house and he was doing like freelance work for a long time. And so I am like, I'm still working. I'm a freelancer, but I'm at home with the baby now. And it's like the shift in how much time I have to do any other kind of work and the the level of exhaustion that I have at the end of the day of like being a stay-at-home parent during working hours and getting my work done in the evening. It's like crazy. And I and I sort of think that the same people who are behind this sort of uh, women, don't you want like to be a happy housewife? Don't you want to be back in the house? Don't you want to be cooking and and cleaning and doing all these things? Um they, I feel like they think it's easy mm-hmm. or like the work is like less enjoyable. Yeah. Lesser work than the work that someone would do outside of the home. I really do think that they believe that. And like I, I know women who have for various reasons stayed at home after giving birth. Sometimes it's because childcare is more costs more money than they would make at their job. Yeah. And so they have to quit work to provide childcare and it's like fucking hard. You know, like what they're asking for people to just do is like a really difficult choice that is absolutely, it's not for everybody. Um, and, and like selfless is such a loaded term here because selfless that you, you have no hobby. Like, what do you mean? No self, no hobbies, no interests, no dreams, no hopes. Like, do they expect women to just sort of become vessels for care for their family and and nothing else? It's just, it's so dark. Yes, they're building the fantasy that actually women would be happier if they didn't have responsibilities. Yeah, which, uh, or they didn't have responsibilities that were assigned economic value. It's also, think about the model of like, when I think about, like there were times, there were times in this country, like if you go back to like plantation life, where it's literally like you have, it's not just that 
it's like the, the woman's in the home, but there is a nanny. There is a cleaner. There is a driver, like in that wealthy, like white model, right? Do you know what I mean? Like there are those things. They have that in, in South Asia now. Do you know what I mean? Like if you are like upper middle class in South Asia, it's like you have someone helping you with your, your cooking, your cleaning, all of that shit. You know what I mean? And it's like, there is a community around the home. Mm-hmm. It's not. And then a lot of that work as the economics change went on to like the singular person or the two person household, mm-hmm. which it was used to be done by like four people in addition to the child. Mm-hmm. Why am I saying, you might be like, why are you saying this, Kieran? And I was saying, <laughs> because I would hearken back to it. Like if you were in a community, you know, I'm like, but nobody's <laughs> pitching that. Why do you put all that shit on the woman? Why are you putting all that shit on the woman now? That's crazy. The outsourcing on this was wild. Okay. Yep. Let's build walkable communities with, you know, community resources so women can like help each other raise children. Like the suburbs are so isolating. Like no wonder these women don't want to have children. It's like, cause Hey, guess what? Do you want to be isolated? Like away from your friends, like alone with no one to talk to, but a toddler all day while, you know, you're not getting any markers of external respect because we value, you know, corporate success in this country more than X, Y, Z. Like it's not a good prospect the way they've set a, set up the system. And and like my, my daughter has been sick this week. She's got the thing that all the kids have where she's just, but she's, she's been sick, sick. And it's like, there's no leaving the house. There's no like going out, visiting people. Like there's no like watching TV really like I have to just like hold her all the time until she takes a nap and then I put her down and then I wait until she wakes up and then I make sure she's okay and hold her until she takes another nap it is exhausting like little snuffles I know I know it's it's not fun to watch but um but like you can't even if you are staying at home and being a full-time child care provider and housekeeper you don't even really have any guarantees around your day-to-day schedule it all depends on like your, what's going on with your baby because everything grinds to a halt when things aren't going well. Uh, Ryan, but did you think about maybe just uh, be rich? Hmm. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about just be rich? If you, because if you were rich. It's a good idea. <laughs> be, just how do you spell that? Rich. R-I-C, is it R-I-S-S-C-H? Be, get rich. Because if you could, you know, afford like a night nurse and a day nurse and also someone to come in from the hours of like 6am to (laughs) 6pm, then maybe you wouldn't be in this problem. So have you thought that maybe you just needed to work harder? Maybe you should have worked harder (laughs) to be able to afford the help. (laughs) I mean, we, we do, we do have help, but it's like (laughs) most places, uh, it's, it's not full time. (laughs) <laughs> I love that we do no 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 I'm saying I'm saying we have help and it's still a nightmare. <laughs> it's it's like it's it is part-time and and it was uh designed around our schedules when um when Josh and I were both working from home. So we could like it was pretty it was like easier to swap in three people taking care of a kid than it is to just like swap in two people because then those two people never get to hang out with each other and it becomes uh, lonely for both of them. Um, but it's still really hard. And I, and I really, um, I really hate that this is what, I mean, I don't know the the conservative movement in the U S trying to dangle an ad agency's idea of what life was like in the fifties as some sort of obtainable ideal is so like insidious to me. Um, 
I, I, I hate it. Um, okay. So uh, let's see. Uh, before we end this portion of the conversation, Dana, what do you think the average reader is of The Conservator? Do you think that women under 30 are actually reading this? Absolutely not. I think there's like a tiny pocket of like Southern sorority girls who think they're being contrarian <laughs> when actually they're being the most regressive physically possible. <laughs> Alyssa, how about you? What do you think? Uh, who do you think reads this magazine? I I actually think it's uh, old white men who who are like yearning for the good old days. Nice. So they're kind of jerking off to. They're like, <laughs> yes, this is what I'm talking about. Stop freezing your eggs. Uh, people who need the patriarchy to get hard. Um, Kieran, who do you think reads it? Who do you think would be an ideal reader? I would say uh, there's pro- there's got to be some Phyllis Phyllis. Schlafly adjacent. Oh, good call. People, you know, because in any population, right, whether it's women, whether it's, I mean, look at the prime minister of England right now. It's like, that's an Indian man, like Indians. I remember reading a lot about people being happy, but he's, sometimes you can put a brown face to the most conservative immigration policies. And there's, there's always one who's willing to, to kind of do that. Do you know what I mean? And you have to remember people are very, very diverse in their opinions and their thinking, even if they look like, you know, they look like women or they're women presenting or whatever the fuck the thing is. So we all think it's not a monolith. I'm sure, I'm sure that there is a a readership for this magazine. Those people probably aren't my friends. And they, if they live in LA, they, they probably keep it closeted that they, that that's their vibe. So like, I, I wouldn't even know it'd be like an undercover situation, but I, you know, it's like, it's like, I remember, you know, when it, it comes to power, it's like when it comes to trope, I was just listening to John Stewart talk about this on like on Stephen Colbert. There's this notion of like trope. And I thought it was really elegantly stated that like we all have them, you know, like like the idea that a, a, a liberal feminist wouldn't have a child that that's anti-feminist. Do you know what I mean? Like that's a that's a weird trope that we don't that's not that's not true. And then the the other piece of that trope for us is like you know, we associate white men with power. But the truth is we're in a moment in time when anyone can be an huh. asshole. I find it hilarious that conservatives on Twitter love pretending that liberals are all at Starbucks, that this like multi-billion dollar corporation, <laughs> like, right, like is like the bastion of, of uh, Antifa. It's like, no, no, no. Why is Starbucks the one thing you can come up with? That's how creative they are. They think that we're all in Starbucks. I think it's because Starbucks is the only place that suburban red staters see people with facial piercings. It's probably true. <laughs> like, they're like, that must be where they hang out. Fucking Starbucks. There's a back room. Yeah. I actually think the the people that read this are people whose mean aunts gift them a subscription for Christmas. <laughs> Probably true too. If you have like a like a an old hag of an aunt that is just a cunt, who always is like really obnoxious on Facebook, and whenever you see her at a family gathering, you're like, oh god. Well, let's talk about how delicious this pie is and keep the conversation to what is immediately in front of us because any other topic she will be terrible on. Um, yeah, I think this is what cunty aunts gift their cool nieces who maybe smoke weed and read it and laugh at it with their roommates um, and then throw it away. Yeah. I was going to say, I could see it, see it in a hysteria book club. I could see, I could see it over a glass of <laughs> wine with like jam and bread, obviously Alyssa's jam um, that we would, we would all sit around and like read it. And I was like, Oh, it'd be fun to read with other, 
with other bitches. Yeah. I won't lie. I, I read the stoned. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, Sani Petty. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the friend of the pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. And welcome back. Before we get to Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty, a little bit of housekeeping. Crooked Coffee is all about making your life a little less chaotic, so we just launched three limited edition holiday boxes to make gift giving easy. Each box is filled with full-size bags of delicious medium and dark roast coffee, plus a fun activity that isn't scrolling through Twitter. That is not a fun activity. Scrolling through Twitter was never fun. It's terrible. It's a misery machine. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I digress. Pick from three different boxes for three types of people. The extremely online box with witty magnetic poetry for your fridge. The craft lover's box with a learn to crochet kit inside. And the home baker box with the insta-famous apple cider donut kit from Farmstead that's so popular it's almost always out of stock. I want to say real quick on crocheting, Alyssa, crocheting is a skill that machines cannot replicate. I had no fucking idea. Yeah. So if you ever see a piece of like genuine crocheted clothing, someone did that by hand. That's the one I think I would pick. I think I'd be into the crochet kit. It sounds awesome. Right? Oh, well. Plus, this holiday season, every order from Crooked Coffee will support Vote Save America's Every Last Vote Fund to make sure every voice can be heard in the face of unprecedented voter suppression. There is a limited quantity, so head to crooked.com slash coffee to shop before we sell out. Oh, guess what, Alyssa? What? New drop in the merch store. So much merch, especially one of our faves. Santa is a woman. Santa is a woman. You can get it in red. You can get it in green. And you can always confuse people who see you wearing it, which is the vibe. And chaos. We'll probably have one in each color. Oh, yes. We will be sowing chaos in our respective holiday seasons. Okay. I'm going to open Sandy Petty this week because I, I've got something that I'm feeling uh, petty about. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that everyone else feels petty about it too. Tiffany Trump got married this past weekend and okay. I'm not going to be petty. 
Yeah, I'm not going to be petty about Tiffany herself because she has stayed as much out of the fray as she she possibly can. And I, I kind of feel there there are times when I see her as a bit of a tragic figure. Um, and, and so I don't want to and, and like making too much fun of her feels like punching down. Um, but she got married this weekend and, and all of the, the Trumparati were out uh, during her wedding. The uh, Senate race in Nevada was called for the Democrats, thus solidifying the fact that uh, Democrats would hold Senate control. And as a Jezebel headline stated, uh, Tiffany Trump gets something blue at her wedding, a Democratic Senate. I think that's that's really, that's a great, so good. no notes, no notes on the headline. So what I'm feeling petty about is that I, first of all, I think that's hilarious that ha- that happened during her wedding. Um I know Dana that you had some thoughts about the proceedings as well like what what what's going on. Okay, this is now just me being so literally petty. <laughs> <laughs> of course I I looked at the photos because like, you know, it's my it's my women's magazine brain also. I'm like, "Oh, wedding." They're everywhere. Um <laughs> her hydrangeas in her hand were so small they confused me someone said that they were to make trump's hands look bigger next to them but that seems (gasps) insane oh my god you don't plan your bouquet size over your absentee father's hand you can't maybe you do i maybe she didn't have a choice maybe it was a gentle suggestion directive okay okay i can see that so you're bitchy and petty about the bouquet okay go on go on i find it insane uh and then also the thing that has just been eating away at me and driving me crazy is there's a photo of her with all of her bridesmaids and they're all in as you said tiffany blue you know she's not like the most creative whatever one of the bridesmaids is in a different shade blue, more of a cornflower and less of a periwinkle. It's a blaring periwinkle. <laughs> and, and someone was like, well, she's the maid of honor. I would say, okay, if she's the maid of honor one, make it a little more different. Don't don't make it just look like a little bit off so it looks like there's something on my Do computer. Do a navy. Go navy, go with a different cut dress. <laughs> Agree. So something different. But then everything is saying that Ivanka is the maid of honor. So clearly they're of course, we know Ivanka probably hates Tiffany and has spoken to her twice in their life. I don't think Ivanka did any of the sisterly duties, but they were trying to publicly <laughs> put out the narrative that Ivanka was the maid of honor, right? This is like the thing. So even if this other bitch actually was the maid of honor, you're trying to convince people that it was Ivanka. So why is she in a, a slightly different periwinkle dress? Oh, man. Ivanka being maid of honor would be so on. Okay. Did I tell you guys this story about a baby shower? Lara Trump's baby shower? Oh, my God. Okay. So vaguely remember, but it needs retelling. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Lara Trump, Eric Trump's wife, um, who married into the family, uh, had a baby shower before the birth of their first child. And at the baby shower, there were gift bags given up, given out. And the only thing in the gift bag was Ivanka Trump's book. No. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is... This is true. Wild. This is true. It's true. That's how they get the dagger next to their name. They're trying to get move these copies yes, however always. they can. It's such a scam. I heard this from a firsthand source. Um, so, yeah. Were you there? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was not... Uh, she laughs nervously. No, I'm not friends with Laura Trump. Um, no, I wasn't at the baby shower, but I, I heard 
about this from a firsthand source. Um, yeah. I, so something tells me that it, that it is possible that it's just like, oh, yeah, Ivanka's going to be your maid of honor, Tiffany. And Tiffany's like, okay, yep. Yeah, and Ivanka's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Could I have made everyone get a buy a copy of my book at my bachelorette party? Is that a thing I would have been allowed to do? No, you would have had to buy the book and give it to everybody. You know what? Great. It still moves copies. <laughs> I should have done that. What if you had put it on your registry? <laughs> and it's the only thing? That is genius. As the only item. The only wow. gift you wanted. Can I get married again? Yeah. You can you can absolutely get married again. People do it all the time. Donald Trump did it three times. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell Ian not to listen to this episode. <laughs> um, yeah, so I feel petty about the fact that it's very funny that the Senate flipped blue during Tiffany Trump's wedding. Um, it was also almost canceled by a hurricane, by Hurricane Nicole. Um, Poor Tiffany. I know, I know. She can't win. You know what? I think that, that she... During the beginning of her dad's uh, presidency, I was like, oh, man, poor Tiffany. I feel real bad for her. But I feel like she's kind of she's she's bringing the nose up, you know, like, well, she's the only one the SDNY doesn't have their sights set on. That's true. Her and and Baron, who I just I hope thoughts that, and prayers. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> Indeed. Damn. Um, OK, uh, let's see who wants to go next. I have a Sanny. Oh, you have a Sanny. Okay, Alyssa, you you can balance my petty with the sanity. Post, mine's so such a wild balance. Post uh, midterms and elections, I really needed like a detox podcast that isn't our own. Mm, mm, and so mm. I was like, what? And I was looking and looking, you guys. The caviar paddlefish heist is, do not sleep on this one. <laughs> That sentence went in an unexpected direction. Yes. Same, same. Vibes, not facts. This is a <laughs> vibes. Facts aren't feelings. Um, the feelings aren't facts. The the podcast is about this town called Warsaw, Missouri, where over several years, this reporter, Helen Holliman, who I actually knew when I was at Vice, who's awesome, uh, she followed these uh, the Russian mafia trying to capture these paddlefish, which were these huge fish, to gut them for their uh, eggs and then sell them on the black market as sturgeon caviar. And it's like, it is, it is, it's got everything you want. I feel like Stefan from SNL. It has everything you want. It's got, it's got like lots of color. It's got weird characters. Helen is an awesome. She's the narrator and the reporter. But it, every episode is 30 minutes and it is just a delight. It's like a weird delight. And it's so removed from anything that we have paid attention to in a long time. The 10 out of 10 recommend. 10 out of 10. What? Say the name again. Caviar Paddlefish the Heist. The Caviar Paddlefish Heist. I'm in. Say no more. I think it's probably the only thing named that on Spotify. It is perfect. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, Kieran, Sanity Corner or Petty? I was going to go Sandy because I did, I agree with Alyssa that we're just out of elections and, you know, there's been a lot going on. And, and, and this is more of a PSA pleasure. You guys familiar? Have you heard of it? Vaguely. The concept. Pleasure, 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 pleasure. They running for city council in LA? Did they win? <laughs> um, I realized how much pleasure I deny myself. I was in Vegas. And it was really interesting to see how different people treated their bodies in Vegas, you know, um, just how they tr like 
Like, are you going to eat that indulgent bite of cake? Are you going to take that nap in the middle of the day? Are, like, are you going to go for the swim and take the time? Like, it's very, you know, the Gen Z silent quitting thing where they're just like, you know, I'll go in from like nine to five, but I want to enjoy my life kind of vibe. I was surprised at how conditioned I am to just work hard and not enjoy shit, you know? And, um, and like the smallest things, I mean, you know, um, Mm, mm -hmm. just do something like, but for you, just for you during the day, you know what I mean? Like just do something nice, go stand in the sunshine as opposed to like eat the lunch outside, do whatever it is, like do stuff that feels good, I guess is what I'm saying. Do shit that feels good. That's what I'm trying to do right now. You know what? Uh, I I wanted to on that ad that even if you work in a nine to five job, you get a lunch break, right? Ostensibly. When I worked at a nine to five job that I hated in Chicago, um, I, I worked like two and a half blocks away from the art Institute, a great art museum. And in that, it's so good. Mm. The modern wing is, is incredible. I saw something there once called clown torture and it's still the weirdest piece of art I've ever seen. Mm. But anyway, the best art museum. (laughs) (laughs) It was a quick walk and I would, in that spirit, I got myself a membership and during my lunch break, I would just go to the art museum and like walk around and enjoy like big, clean, quiet rooms with beautiful art in them. And uh, if you live in a city and you can get to an art museum or a museum of any kind during your lunch break, that's a way to like fit that in, you know? I had this horrible moment yesterday because everyone was fleeing Twitter and I was like, oh, should I be on the Substack?" And I was like, well, I don't have any more content to put in the world. I've I've stripped everything away. I have I'm the giving tree. I have nothing left. And I was like, oh, well, I I bake a lot. Maybe I can do like a Substack with that. <laughs> and then I was so miserable thinking about like giving myself homework when like the one thing I just enjoy doing for myself. And then I would need to worry about like taking pictures and typing it. I was like, I can't. I just cannot. It's so important to like hold on to like the precious non-content things that you just do to enjoy and not to create an aesthetic. And for you, that's baking. For me, it's baking. Erin, I do feel like girlies on TikTok would go wild if you were like, I'm in my art museum lunch break era and like romanticized it. (laughs) And if you turn that into content, it would go crazy. But just doing it for you and not telling people about it is a revolutionary act. Yeah. Oh, wait. Speaking of baking, can I just say something real quick? Last week I talked about my Oman's apple strudel. And you guys, the Hysteria listeners came through and I got the recipe I have been looking for. I got the recipe I have been looking for for my Oma passed away almost almost 10 years ago. And so ever since then. And I knew like when it came out of the oven – I was like, this is fucking right. And then I I made one for my sister and I brought it to her here in the city. And she, as soon as she ate it, she FaceTimed me and she's like, you did it. And I was like, Cornelia did it. So thank you, Cornelia. Which listener, can we give them a shout out? Her name is Cornelia. Okay. She is, and she sent me four recipes and she's like, I think these are in the ballpark of what you're looking for. And one of them was exactly Right. And she was lovely. And we emailed back and forth a little bit. And lots of other folks sent recipes too. Like I got, it was an embarrassment of riches. But the minute I saw the recipe, it felt right. And I tried it that day. And it was perfect. That's amazing. I know. So I'm really, I'm very grateful to everyone who took the time because it really, it really meant a lot to us. We always talk about that's something that always reminds us of our own me that we'd never been able to do. And so now we have it. 
That's oh so sweet. Yeah, I know. It was really great. Double sanity corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dana, do you do you have a sanity corner or petty to add? I feel like my petty is the, is the bridesmaid dress thing. Mm, mm, I mm. I ranted on that, and my my sanity is I I was baking, and I used uh, Alyssa Mustermonico jam to make. Uh, Jam thumbprint cookies the other day. <gasps> They're perfect in thumbprint wow. cookies. I've been experimenting. Perfect. They're perfect in thumbprint cookies. Oh, that warms my heart. It, I meant to send you a picture and completely oh. forgot. I'll do it after this. Oh, please do. And it doesn't have to be content when you're having fun. It's not content. It's, it's not just content. for Alyssa. It's just fun. It doesn't have to be content when you're having fun. That's, that's great advice. Um, Guys, we're so deep. So deep, so deep, so deep. We solved all the problems. Um, Okay, that's all the time we have for this week's show. Dana and Kieran, thank you so much for joining me. Alyssa, thank you for being my ride or die. Thank you to Michigan State Senator Mallory McMorrow. And listeners, thanks to all of you. We know it's a holiday next week, but we are doing a pre-record because we love you so much. And so there will be a special bonus episode during your holiday week as well. See you then. From another planet, this nation is our Janet. But these girls gotta fan it. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Rustin is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. And Fiona Pastana is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis are the sound engineers. And our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Thank you to our digital team, Nar Melkonian, Mia Kelman, Milo Kim, and Matt DeGroote. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 